Today's scripture reading will be taken from Luke chapter 23, verse 39 to 43. This is the word of God. One of the criminals who were hanged railed at him, saying, Are you not the Christ? Sell yourself and us. But the other rebuked him, saying, Do you not fear God, since you are under the same sentence of condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we are receiving the due reward of our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. And he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And he said to him, Truly I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. Thus says the Lord. Our text today is a remarkable illustration of the great and incomprehensible love that Jesus Christ has for sinners. But it also gives us insight into one of the most vulnerable times in the life and ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ that's recorded for us in the Gospels. You see, knowing that he was about to die, Jesus chose to spend his final moments on earth with his disciples, who were his closest friends, even though he knew that they would all soon betray him and leave him completely alone in his time of need. But even though he was about to endure such betrayal, abandonment, mocking, and torture, Jesus continued to love his people to the very end. And one of the reasons that this experience in the Garden of Gethsemane is so very important for us is that it sheds a tremendous light for us on the human nature of Christ. You see, even though he was the Son of God incarnate, Jesus Christ was fully human. So we're not surprised that as a man, Jesus would have felt tremendous sorrow and distress over what he was about to suffer on behalf of sinners. And so we're told that he sought out a special place that was private where he could be alone with God in order to ask him if there was any other way for sinners to be saved, if there was any other way that this cup could be removed from him. Now, what did Jesus mean when he used the image of a cup? And why would he ask God to remove it? Well, in the Old Testament, a cup was used as a metaphor for the wrath and judgment of God. Psalm 75, 8, For in the hand of the Lord there is a cup, and the wine is red. It is fully mixed, and he pours it out. Surely its dregs shall all the wicked of the earth drain and drink down. Isaiah 51, 17, Awake, awake, stand up, O Jerusalem, you who have drunk the hand of the Lord, the cup of his fury. You have drunk the dregs of the cup of trembling and drained it out. And finally, Jeremiah 25, 15, For thus says the Lord God of Israel to me, Take this wine cup of fury from my hand and cause all the nations to whom I send you to drink it. You see, according to the Bible, the cup, that Jesus was referring to was the judgment of God that he was about to endure in his very own soul as our sin bearer. You see, Jesus was not afraid of physical death, torture, mocking, and crucifixion. We know this because earlier he told his disciples to fear not those who could kill the body, and not the soul, but to fear him who could destroy both body and soul in hell. In other words, fear God, be very afraid of Him. 
You see, Jesus' agony and distress in the Garden of Gethsemane was all about the fear of God and the anguish that he felt in his human nature as he contemplated bearing the wrath of God in his very own body. You see, at that very moment, Jesus was supernaturally given a fearful apprehension of the dreadful pain and agony that he was about to endure for sinners. And it was so very disturbing to his very own conscience that he shrank in horror at the thought of enduring it. John Calvin says, Jesus trembles in Gethsemane because he has before his eyes the dreadful tribunal of God and the judge himself armed with inconceivable vengeance because our sins are laid upon him and presses him down with their enormous weight. You see, this was the very first time during his earthly ministry that Jesus was given such a clear and precise understanding of what he was about to suffer if he continued on in his mission of redemption. And it was absolutely frightening for him. And the reason that he was given such a clear picture of his sufferings was so that he might have the opportunity to fully and finally withdraw from them if he so desired. One last opportunity to bow out of the plan of redemption. And having this final opportunity to withdraw from participating in our redemption is important for us as sinners. Because if Jesus was going to bear our sin, he must do so voluntarily, willingly submit to the Father's will and obey God in the midst of the personal temptation to do otherwise. In other words, the circumstances that Jesus was in must not be in his favor as he renders perfect obedience to God. You see, as the second Adam, Jesus must also be tempted to disobey God if he is to qualify perfectly as our Redeemer. Just as Adam willingly diso disobeyed God and plunged the entire world into sin, so Jesus must willingly obey God in order to save his people from it. Jesus must willingly offer himself to the Father in order to make perfect atonement for sin. He cannot do so passively or grudgingly, but willingly out of a pure heart of love for God. And repeatedly we're told in the gospel that, that Jesus is the good shepherd who lays down his life for the sheep. So as he was accustomed to doing, Jesus went to the Mount of Olives to pray. You see, Jesus had spent many nights there in the past, and so he refused to change his routine, even though he knew that it meant that Judas would easily find him there in order to betray him. You see how brave Jesus is, how completely in control of the situation he is until the very end. And that's why he says, no one takes my life away from me. No, I lay it down of myself. You see, even in the worst of circumstances, Jesus submitted himself to the Father's will, even if it meant that he would suffer excruciating pain. So he tells his disciples to pray that they would not enter into temptation. Now the words enter into temptation here means to succumb to its evil power. In other words, Jesus is telling them to pray 
that you would not give in to the temptation to abandon me in my hour of deepest need. Pray that you might hold fast to the faith, even if it means that you might give your very, so, your very life, if necessary. You see, even in the midst of his very own temptation, Jesus is loving and caring for his disciples to the very end and warning them of their need to pray because he knew that they needed strength to face the hour that was yet to come. And so being filled with sorrow and great distress over what he would soon experience, Jesus knelt down alone in the dark beneath the shelter of olive trees and earnestly prayed to his heavenly father to take this cup away from him if it was his will. It's important to point out that when Jesus asked God to take this cup away from him, he is not refusing to do the Father's will. He's not saying that he does not want to obey God and submit to the plan of redemption. But he is asking God if there is any other way for redemption to be accomplished other than this cup of wrath, let it be. Because it was so very terrifying to his human nature. And notice that after Jesus prayed, Luke tells us that an angel came and strengthened them so that he prayed more earnestly. You see, God's answer to Jesus' prayer was to send an angel to strengthen him in his resolve and commitment to go forward and bear the curse of sin. And this was God's will because there was no other way for sinners to be saved apart from the death of Christ. He must drink the cup if we were ever to be saved. So Jesus submitted to the Father's will and courageously prayed so hard that his sweat became like great drops of blood falling to the ground as he acted out of a perfect and holy love to willingly go forward and give his life as a ransom for sin. You see, as he accomplished our salvation, Jesus acted out of a perfect principle of love to God and man, even though it cost him everything personally from an individual perspective. And this is the epitome of true love. The Apostle John puts it this way, by this we know love, that he laid down his life for us. Jesus suffered in order to save us from wrath. And just what is it that provokes the wrath of God against us? Well, the Bible says it's our sin. You see, regardless of how small or insignificant our sin may seem to us, all sin is an assault on the majesty and authority of God. Because God is holy. He must punish sinners. He cannot be indifferent to sin. All sin be it however so small in our eyes, must be punished. This is why Jesus drank the cup of wrath in our place and endured the unimaginable spiritual agony that we deserve to save us from the wrath of God. And we will never truly appreciate Jesus' agony in Gethsemane until we understand that Jesus took the wrath that we deserve. Now, I want to close today with an excerpt from a sermon by Jonathan Edwards on Jesus' agony in Gethsemane that I think perfectly captures for us 
the love that Jesus had that motivated him to endure God's wrath for us. It's so very good that I have to quote it in its entirety. Speaking of Christ's love, he says, it was so strong as to carry him through that agony that he was then experiencing. The suffering that he was actually subject to were dreadful and amazing. And how wonderful was his love that lasted and was upheld still. The love of any mere man or angel would doubtless have sunk under such a weight and never would have endured such a conflict and such a bloody sweat as that of the Lord Jesus Christ. The anguish of Christ's soul at that time was so strong as to cause that wonderful effect on his body. But his love to his enemies, poor and unworthy as they were, was stronger still. The heart of Christ at that time was full of distress, but it was fuller of love to vile worms. His sorrows abounded, but his love did abound much more. Christ's soul was overwhelmed with a deluge of grief, but this was from a deluge of love of sinners in his heart that was sufficient to overthrow the world and overwhelm the highest mountains of his sins. Those great drops of blood that fell down to the ground were a manifestation of an ocean of love in Christ's heart. The strength of Christ's love more especially appears in this, that when he had such a full view of the dreadfulness of the cup that he was to drink, that so amazed him, he would not withstanding, even take it up and drink it. Then it seems to have been the greatest and most peculiar trial of the strength of the love of Jesus Christ. When God set down the bitter portion before him and let him see what he had to drink, if he persisted in his love to sinners. And so God brought him to the mouth of the furnace that he might see its fierceness and have a full view of it, and have time to then consider whether he would go in and suffer the flames of this furnace for such unworthy creatures or not. This was, as it were, proposing it to Christ's last consideration, what he would do, as much as if it had been said to him, here is the cup that you are to drink, unless you will give up your undertaking for sinners, even them to lead them to Paris as they deserve. Will you take this cup and drink it for them or not? There is the furnace into which you are to be cast if they are to be saved. Either they must perish or you must endure this for them. There you see how terrible the heat of the furnace is. You see the pain and anguish you must endure on the morrow unless you give up the cause for sinners. What will you do? Is your love such that you will go on? Will you cast yourself into this dreadful furnace of wrath? Christ's soul was overwhelmed with the thought. His feeble nature shrank at the dismal sight. It put him into this dreadful agony, which you have heard described. But his love to sinners held out. His love to sinners held out. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the love encourage of Christ. Thank you, Lord, that he willingly obeyed in the midst of excruciating temptation to do otherwise. Thank you, Lord, that he loved us so much that he gave himself body and soul for our salvation. 
Father, if there are any listening to this message, Lord, who do not know the Lord Jesus Christ, I pray that you would bless them, Lord, at this moment to receive him by faith, to trust in his atonement for sinners. Thank you so much, Father, that you gave your only begotten son for our salvation. In his name we pray. Amen.